Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three things. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Boom. What is going on? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, brother. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. good. Refreshed. There you go. A couple yeah. days off. Yeah. You get to spend with the family. Yeah. New Year's resolutions are here. Already started it. You did. My diet is in full it's effect. All, it's all diet for it's everybody, diet. isn't it? Full effect. So mine was diet and working out, which I actually got a head start on. Yeah. See, here's what happens. Every single time I try to get in shape, my back goes out. So I have an appointment with the chiropractor this afternoon. I'm all crooked. There you go. And I can still like jog straight forward, but if I do anything else, I'm like, I'm going to throw it out you bad. Just build the daily maintenance like chiropractic appointment into the weekly schedule and you're good. You got no excuses. Yeah. By the way, our girl Hannah there. Yeah. New hair don't care. What? The new look. I like it. 2019. Go with the new look. Good you're way more observant than I, like I didn't see it. See, that's because I, I grew it. up with three sisters. All right. Like I noticed stuff like that. Okay. To, oh, my know? wife kills me for that. So, I yeah. never know. And we like it, Hannah. It looks good. It does look good, Hannah. All right, we got a huge show, monster show. College football playoffs. We know who the championship is going to be between now, and we're going to discuss that. Uh-huh. We have to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers because this is an absolute dumpster fire, what is happening in Pittsburgh right now. And I think it falls specifically on two people. I'm going to tell you who it falls on, but let me get you caught up in right. what's going on. So Antonio Brown did not play in their game against the Cleveland Browns. Their regular season finale, which they needed to win to have a chance at the playoffs. He does not play. Everybody's like, oh, I wonder what's going on with Antonio Brown. Of course, after the game, the news starts to come out. And the news is not good. Uh, Apparently, in practice, there was an issue with him and Ben Roethlisberger where it got pretty heated. Uh, Some reports had Antonio Brown throwing a ball at Ben Roethlisberger during that practice. I mean, it's, it's like a complete mess. There was yeah. an altercation. Right. And then he doesn't show up for walkthrough. And then he gets benched by Mike Tomlin. So good for him for doing that. And then, so then you saw that's the first part of it. Then after the game, Ben Roethlisberger is talking with 93.7, the fan on his radio show. He's talking all about how there was distraction with Le'Veon Bell, which everybody denied at the time. They said no distraction, but now they're saying it was a distraction. When he talked about Antonio Brown, he said specifically, I am blessed to play with him. He's one of my closest friends in the team. Nope. AB and I have been together for a long time. I owe so much of my success to him and consider him the really close friend on the team. I know some of my teammates are frustrated. I think the biggest thing is guys try to reach out to him, haven't heard back. That's what's frustrating to those guys. It is a complete disaster. Antonio Brown, our JLC, our Jason Lockenfora says that he wants to be traded. He's requested a trade. This is your worst case scenario if you're a head coach, if you're an organization, if you're a quarterback. This thing is imploding right before our eyes. Um, what did you think was going to happen with Antonio Brown? Number one, like th- this isn't an isolated incident. Like he is high maintenance, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. There are a lot of receivers that are as you know, well, there are very few that are as good as him, but the good ones. Like historically, tend to have been high maintenance. Am I? Am I not? Like there are very few that are really yeah, good at just wide walk quietly. They are right? a real thing. Um, having said that, I don't think this is all Antonio Brown. I think there's the dysfunction doesn't start with Antonio Brown. I I, I think Mike Tomlin fosters some dysfunction in his locker room. Um, I, I think Ben Roethlisberger and, and I don't know him or Roethlisberger or whatever. <laughs> I, I, he seems fake. He does. He seems like a dude that would come out. Um, and just be done killing you in the back and come out and put on a good face for the media and say something else. And everybody would be like, but bro, you were just killing him in the locker room. And guys, re- like that starts to wear on people. He's always a them guy when it's, when something goes bad. 
Always. I always, I like, he's always like, yeah, they need to do this better. And he needs to do that better. And they knew that he's very rarely a we guy in terms of like when there's a problem. It's we when it's successful. Yep. Right. And I think that starts to wear on people. That's just me. I mean, Antonio's wrong for what he did. I wasn't right. there, but I think it goes above him. I think that dysfunction starts with Tomlin and it comes down through Ben. It's all on two people in this organization. Yep. And you named him. It's Mike Tomlin as the head coach and it's Ben Roethlisberger as the franchise quarterback. And I'm going to tell you why it's their fault. Mike Tomlin has forever been known as a player's coach, right. which is great. Like players want to play for him because he's lax, he's laid back. But here's the problem. If you are a player's coach, it can be great, but the more likely scenario is that the players are going to walk all over you. They're going to take advantage of you. Let me, I'm going to let you finish your thought. Yeah. I always said this about Mike D'Antoni. As player-friendly as you can have as a coach, if you have good dudes who are conscientious and aren't going to walk over you, if you have one bad one, and somebody sees him getting away with the bad stuff, it snowballs out of control. Yep. You have to have some some sort of discipline. You can't just have a free-for-all. Right. And I, it's like the Steelers team, I look at it, I've been all over the map with the Steelers team all season long. Because, I, was, you know, sure. sometimes I was when – they, They're all over the map. Right. They're, they're, when, they, when they beat the Carolina Panthers on Thursday Night Football and they had won like five games in a row, I'm like, this team can go to the Super Bowl. Yep. Like they have enough talent on both sides of the ball. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of drama around this team. And then I, I fooled myself into thinking, maybe that's where they excel. They excel through the adversity. Like, they like the drama. Right. Kind of is what drives them. But in the back of my mind, I'm saying, that doesn't work in pro sports. And I think that's what you're seeing now, is that this doesn't work. And I thought James Harrison, who after he played with the Steelers last year, remember he was traded sure. through the season, and goes and, and plays uh, with the Patriots, so he gets a glimpse of he spent most of his career with the Steelers and then he finishes it off with the Patriots and he sees what Bill Belichick is like. After the season was over, he like crushed Mike Tomlin. He said he needs more discipline. Yeah. Can't treat guys special and other guys get different treatment. And that's what you're seeing this is a result of because I think Antonio Brown for the entirety of his career has gotten away with skipping practice, with skipping meetings because he's one of the best players in the league. Right. You can't have that. You can't treat players differently in a locker room. And you can be a player's coach and be successful. Mike Shanahan, who I played for, great player's coach. Had gave guys a lot of freedom, but he yeah. had good leaders in the locker room and he knew when to lay down the wall. And clearly Mike Tomlin doesn't know. I think that you can treat players differently. Um but you have to be the hardest on your best player. So like right. for instance He's doing the if, opposite. Correct. Like yeah. if you want to Antonio Brown has to be held to the highest of standards. Like if it's the 60th guy on your roster and you don't want to punish him the way you punish Antonio Brown, that's fine. Right. But when you send the message that my number ones are subject to this type of treatment, your number 25 gets in line real quick. Right. Greg Popovich would take Tim Duncan out multiple times we played him. First possession of the game. Third possession of the game. Timmy screws up an assignment. Didn't cost him anything, right? It was score six to two. Out, yank his butt out of the game, sit him down, like, or stand up and berate him in front of the whole arena at the scores table and then send him right back in the game. What do you think the guys on the bench are thinking about what, like, I better get this assignment right. If he'll do that to Tim, what's he gonna do to me? Right. I might not have a job. And that's exactly what Belichick does. Right. Now Belichick by no means is a player's coach, but he would berate Tom Brady in practice. And we're talking year 14, 15 after multiple sure. goals. He's out there bringing him out of practice saying the high school quarterback down the street throws it better than you right now. <laughs> like he's done that. It's been, like been reported. And I think finally Brady's like, all right, man, Enough. I've been through this. I know this. So it right. got old after a while, but that's the treatment you're talking yeah. about. Harder on his better players. So I think we both agree that Mike Tomlin holds some account. Uh, some responsibility, but I totally agree with Ben Roethlisberger deserves a lot of this too, because you have to make sure you foster a healthy relationship with your wide receivers. 
And we talked about it after they lost to the Denver Broncos in Denver and Ben Roethlisberger threw one of the worst interceptions you've seen to lose the game at the yeah. end of the game. What does he do after the game? Throws Washington, James Washington, his receiver on route the bus. Bad route. Starts talking about yeah. everybody else's issues in the game. It was almost like Ben was saying, it wasn't my fault. Like, Correct. it wasn't my fault we lost. And that's the moment when you need to take it on your shoulders and say, yep, it was on me. Not and instead of doing that, and I thought he lost a lot of clout in that locker room. And I remember specifically saying on here with you, I guarantee you, because nobody said anything that day, but I guarantee you in that locker room, after those comments came out, players were whispering like, man, I can't look at this dude. Oh, like, dude. He's all this. Never his fault. And now you're starting to see some of those cracks in the foundation starting to get completely crumbled because of the way he's handled this whole situation. See if we could get like a, like, I don't know, like a search warrant to go through all of their text messages. Oh, that, the day man. after that happened. Are you like, kidding me? Like with the Here subject Ben, ben and oh. any, any Ben in it would be fantastic. Exactly. I, but look, quarterbacks, point guards, like they, 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 Play a similar role on your team. Yeah. So I'm in practice yesterday with our 10th grade point guard, right? He's playing and he's just doing his thing, right? He's not Ben. He's not your best player. So for a lot of reasons, like your best player has to take the onus on themselves to, to say me or we, because like you can withstand the, 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 you know, the aftermath of that. You right. have enough of a cachet as a player and a resume. This kid doesn't, but I'm still telling him as we're going through our stuff and we've got players that aren't touching the ball. Starting to check out because we're on offense. These are better players. It happens, right? Guy hasn't got the ball in six or seven possessions. But my point to this kid was, you know your teammates. Mm -hmm. You know them. And whether the other kid is open or not, you've now not gotten that kid the ball seven times. What do you think he's going to do? And the kid looked at me and said he's going to stop playing. I said, yeah, but that that's your job. The yeah. same with the quarterback. Like, you got guys like Antonio Brown, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, not that he's an, uh, a problem like that emotionally, but with talents – your job is to kind of make sure that those guys are fed. Yes. Like you got to make sure everybody happy. Got to keep them eating, man. Right. And that's what I'm telling, you know, a 10th grade PG. So as it pertains to Ben, like the we versus me stuff, all of that is frustrating to me. But also, dude, you've been with my guy for a, a long time now. Make sure he touches the rock. Make sure you, you sprinkle it around so everybody's happy. Now that, now the Steelers have a major problem because Antonio Brown, who wants a trade, he's going to be on the hook for 21.1 million in dead money if they cut or trade him. Um, so they'll have until the fifth day of the league year, which begins in March to come to a decision or, uh, Brown earns an additional two and a half million dollar loss. If, if you had, if you had to put a bow on this, on this conversation, yep. who do you move on from? Like what, what is the solution for this? Nobody. Team? Is, it, is it, you keep everybody? You try to keep everybody. Here's where you have to do. If you're Mike Tomlin, and this is where he's got to take some ownership of this. I would have a meeting. I would say, Antonio Brown, get your butt in here. Ben Rosberg, get your butt in here. And maybe you take them and you take them to dinner. You take a couple hours. It's not going to be a five-minute meeting. Right. It's going to be a we are going to hash this thing out, and you've got to try to set some parameters for what it's going to be moving forward. I think you lay into Ben in front of Antonio Brown and say you can't be selling dudes out. Right. But there's too much talent. They're too close. Like, it's, And I get they missed the playoffs this year, and this was the most underachieving team in the NFL this year. Right. But they have a great nucleus of guys if they could just get them to buy in. I don't think firing Mike Tomlin is the answer. I don't think cutting uh, Antonio Brown is the answer. There's too much talent on there that's being wasted. I think you plea to both of those guys to to make amends. Well, I, and like in a perfect world, yes, but like very few worlds are ever perfect. <laughs> that is true. Um, I think yeah, you have to. Let's run deep too. Well, they don't just go away. And here's the issue: like while I like Mike Tomlin, and I think for a lot of reasons he needs to be an NFL coach. Um, you know, there's just not a whole lot of. NFL coaches that look like Mike Tomlin. Right. Um, 
But I have to say in this situation, if you're going to rectify it, you got to fire it. You got to let him go. And the reason I say that is not because of his record or his exes. You can't go reinvent yourself as a coach with, with Ben Roethlisberger and, 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 um, and Antonio, and Antonio Brown. Brown. You can't. They've got enough of a sample size. So you can have that meeting. You can sit there for an hour and a half, two hours. You can scold each player and tell them. But when they go home at night, they're like, this cat. Like, bro, we've been with you for seven, eight years now. It's going to be what it is. Like, you don't just change as a person or as a head coach because you're going to flip a switch and be a different guy. Do you know what I mean? So it's going to be really hard to hold those guys accountable all of a sudden in year number whatever this is, and you've never done it. And so if you got to make a change, to your point, those two dudes are super talented, financial obligations that that you can't you know overcome. It's got to be Mike Tomlin. So I don't think they should fire him. I hope they don't. Uh, He did survive Black Monday, which is coming known because we're having so many NFL coaches get hired. I think we should rename it. You watch Game of Thrones, right? Sure. I think they should rename it Red Wedding Day. Ooh, <laughs> that ooh, one, you get the wedding. whole family yeah. just taken Everybody, out. And everybody's right. like, what's next? And your head's on a swivel. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. That's what it feels like when you have as much turnover as you do in the NFL on what is a very sad day. Like, it does suck. If you're a family or if you've ever experienced professional sports, I get that fans want coaches fired and you see people gloating. And thank goodness we got rid of that guy. But, man, is it an upheaval to not only the head coach but entire staffs who all of a sudden have to oh, dude. uproot their families and Look, go to new places. When I got word of Adam Gase the other day, like one of my first calls was to my wife. Like My son Dia has a friend at, uh, at his middle school whose dad is on the Dolphin staff. And they, they just came down like a year and a half, two years ago to work on the staff. And I was like – Saying, please check on them. Make sure you know what I mean. Like right. it, it, it was in our house. It affected us, and right. we're not even in the Dolphins building. Right. So it was a rough day for sure. You mentioned uh the diversity issue with Mike Tomlin. Yeah. You know he should stick around. There was definitely the NFL took a huge blow to diversity because you had several African American coaches fired. Uh, you know Marvin Lewis, Vance Joseph, just to name a couple. Um, out in Arizona, like there's just there is a huge turnover. I think the Rooney Rule is a joke. Yeah. I think it's an absolute joke because I don't think it creates significant change. I think if its intentions were good, right. I think you see way too many interviews that are just for show because they're just fulfilling Checking the, the obligations of the Rooney yeah. Rule. I think what you need is you need a better uh like farm system, developmental system, so that you have more candidates to pull from. Right. So that you have better African American candidates that you can, that there are more of them. Cause right now, the trend right now is offensive coordinators, hot offensive coordinators. Yeah. That teams are looking to hire and there aren't a lot of African American offensive coordinators, which is a part of the problem, but the Rooney rule doesn't address that. Right. What's the dude? What's the dude? There's a, there's, there was one. Was he in Arizona? Who was calling plays? Uh, well, Byron Leftwich became the coordinator after no, Mike so was fired. You thinking Eric Bienemy and yeah, Eric Bienemy maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like names like that, but I hear you. Like, Look, you have to do something, right? It's like, I mean, you have to try to level the playing field. So right. I'm supportive of the rule, but I tend to agree with you. Like you're, you know, some of that. I support have, though. I support the, the meaning, like the. Yeah. Like the, the essence behind the rule. Yes. Yeah. But, yes. but I'm with you. Like, you know, if you're, you're just throwing interviews at people just to say that you interviewed a candidate. Like, right. I don't, I don't really support I don't that. like the trend of people who say, and you tell me if you disagree with me, that coaches are, are fired more frequently because they're African American. Because I think all of this comes down to a bottom line business. Yeah, I don't. I get that Wilkes was fired after he was a one and done in Arizona, but you also had a Cam Cameron who was a one and done in Miami. Like, yeah, no. Examples of everyone out there. So I've always said it's about getting the opportunity and then making the most of it. And I, I don't think there's a shorter leash on African American coaches. I agree with you. I do not believe that they would be fired any sooner. Like right. this is a like you produce, right. you get it done, and you you got a job. So I would I would support that. I do think though that at times it's a harder. 
it's a harder ladder to climb to the top for, for them, sure. for them. And, and a lot of that is, is number driven, right? But that's because sometimes it's harder to get that first opportunity. It's who you know. Um, you and know, it's what's a, annoying. It's, it's, listen, it's a it's, relationship business, man. It it's a who knows who it's business. It's a good old some, boys. Yeah. Too, so to a great extent, you know, which, which, and then when you hear some of the names that are being interviewed, like, all right, Mike McCarthy's going now Mike McCarthy's Super Bowl winning coach. Sure. You know, he's a good, uh, a good coach, but like Cliff Kingsbury. Who was at Texas Tech in yeah. college and now he's the offensive coordinator at USC. Like all of a sudden he's a good option. Like the list of names to pull from, you're starting to see some significant reaches out there. And most of them are white where you're like, well, if you're going to reach for some of these guys, why not reach for an African American and give him an opportunity? And I think it's, that's where the issue becomes where I think owners are less likely to take a risk sure. on an unknown African American guy. They'd rather have. A guy with a little name cachet that's had a little bit sure. of success. This is a very convoluted conversation right? to dance. Right? Yeah, it's right. A, this is a big, big conversation. But right. like generally speaking, the numbers that you can pull from from the white pool of coaches are so much, ex- like so much larger than the potential candidates in the in the black pool of coaches. Right. That it's it's it really is a reach to kind of go outside at times, and that all starts with opportunity. And so I think that is the essence, and that was the intent of the Rooney Rule, right? It's create opportunity which i support 100 totally, whether too. that achieves that or not like is debatable you gotta but- do more they've had, they, to get more candidates you've got to create more opportunity at ground entry right positions. and th- see like the nba and this has nothing to do with black or white right this isn't this is a independent conversation but because of the D- the g league now you start to see coaches like nick nurse guys like that who wouldn't otherwise like have this opportunity to be ahead um, in an NBA environment, get the opportunity like in the G League and you cut your teeth in the G, right? Uh, Earl Watson, same thing. Earl Watson was in the G League, parlay that into the Phoenix situation and then the whole staff got fired. But there, there are more opportunities for more candidates to get that on the job type of experience and exposure. Uh, and, and it creates more of a, a pool for you to pull from when it's time to hire coaches. So you don't always get the retread like you used to in the NBA, like guys would just be another team. Oh, right. like, but now you're starting to see some young, fresh blood come into the coaching carousel uh, because there are more opportunities, because there are more teams in G Leagues and developmental type of situations. Yep. Uh, more conversation needs to be had. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's a, it's a problem, and the NFL needs to fix it uh, and needs to do a better job, clearly. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, Canel and Bell. So, the college football playoffs. You yeah. had... A beat down in one of them. Yep. As Clemson worked over Notre Dame, probably could have scored as many points as they wanted to. I thought the Orange Bowl was entertaining. Right. For two, two quarters. For the second half. I thought it was entertaining. I thought Oklahoma thankfully made it entertaining. Right. They, but they spotted them 28 points. I had checked out already. Well, a lot of people had. Yeah. They were like, all right, we're on, we're out, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna go to sleep, do right. whatever you want to do. Um, so a lot of people are out there pounding their chest. People that, didn't want, don't want eight teams. Mm-hmm. They're saying, oh, we don't even need four. We're going to go back to BCS. Yeah. We only need two because it's Clemson and Bama. I could not disagree more. Okay. 
I thought Oklahoma proved more than capable of moving the ball against Alabama. Cool. I think if they play five times, I think Alabama probably lives wins four. Yeah, but I think they could get them. Yep. You know, and if they find, you know, if they get a, a good game, I think they could beat them absolutely. I don't know if I would say the same thing about Notre Dame, but I think if you had Ohio State playing in the playoffs, I think they could beat anybody out there. Right. I think as bad as. Michigan played. I think they got, I think they had a bad game. Yeah. Like I thought they played awful. I thought Georgia had a bad game against Texas. I think there's a couple reasons for it. Obviously, when you don't have a lot of starters out there, you yeah. don't have a lot of guys playing. I think that significantly hurts your chances. I cannot stand the they didn't want to be there excuse, but I do think there is some validity to it. And if you went to eight games or eight teams, you wouldn't be able to have that excuse anymore. You would not be able to use that. And I think you would get everybody's best effort. You would get everybody's best rosters because the guys that are sitting to prepare for the NFL would say, you know what? I want to play for something. Sure. As opposed to playing for nothing. It's why they're skipping. Yeah, I think you might be onto something there. But as it pertains to like finding the best team in the country, mm -hmm. you need to. Like, yeah, now this year, it's not this year, this course. year, you need two teams. But I can, I can support the argument. That eight would be good uh, for a lot of reasons, right? Like the Notre Dame situation of not having to play in like a conference championship and then just being gifted an invite into like a four game. Like I, they got the doors blown off, of right? Them. You know what I mean? Like right. that that helps. Also, it would incentivize guys that like you know Devin Bushes of the world, juniors and so on. Like, what are they playing for at this point? Why would I risk? They're you know, they're, they're, they're all over the place. yeah. There's nothing to play for for me. So this also incentivizes them to play. And I think generally speaking. Like more playoff style, like football for what is like the most yes. entertaining sport to me. I love college football. You give me a, a playoff system with more like intrigue and, right. and more potential scenarios. I'm I'm for it. So eight sounds great. And so in my scenario, so I've I had an 18 playoff that you know we discussed on here. Yeah. Let's say for instance, one of the first four games would have been Notre Dame versus Ohio State. From my hypothetical seating, would have yep. been three Notre Dame versus a six Ohio State. Ohio State might have beaten Notre Dame, and then you don't get blown out against Clemson. Then right. I think it's a, you find out the more competitive teams, and you weed out some of those blowouts earlier right. when they're playing against a little bit even competition. Now, I had one Alabama versus eight Washington. That could get that's ugly. Be, but it's a lie. one versus an eight. It's, it's a one, Exactly. It's ugly period. Which, when we see the NFL, there's going to be a blowout yeah. this weekend. There's some team will get beat by two or three touchdowns. You don't hear people complaining, saying, oh, this proves you don't need this many teams in the playoff. Right. No. It's a part of the process towards winning a championship. NBA won. Eight, it's sweet. Right. What happens? Right. Exactly. Right. Nobody's nobody's uh, you know out there saying, right. oh, we don't need these games now. Maybe you go best of five series as opposed to best of seven. Sure. Figured out earlier, but I totally disagree that people are saying, oh, this is why we don't need them. I do think I want to talk about the Fiesta Bowl yeah. because UCF. I have been captain UCF for the entirety of their twenty-five game win streak. A lot of LSU fans, a lot of SEC fans are saying, see, this is why they don't belong. I think the total opposite. I think they came within an onside kick of having a score to potentially tie the game at the yeah. end. They put up 32 points against LSU, which is more than most teams did this season. And I cannot stand people are out here saying, well, LSU didn't have any of their starters. They had eight, nine defensive starters that weren't out there. Mackenzie Milton Thank makes you. that whole thing go. The most important position yeah. on the field is quarterback, and UCF did not have theirs. I think that matters almost just as much as having eight or nine defensive starters. You know, And it wasn't like UCF is 100% healthy either. It's not like they didn't have guys kicked out. They had one of their secondary players kicked out too. So it all comes out in the wash. I thought UCF represented themselves more than enough to show they deserve a place at the table. I think it was the way – like. So you outgained them, LSU outgained them by 300 total yards on offense. Yep. Like it looked like they got manhandled. They right? did. And they got, they got pushed around, but you know, and that's always going to be the situation with SEC powerhouses versus 
you know, your what do they call them? That uh, the group of five, group of five type of teams. Like they have more horses, they have bigger, deeper teams. But to your point, what one of those power five teams has to do is figure out how to stay in the game, figure out what we can do to beat them. So while you might physically manhandle me, right? I'll out execute you. I'll out like scheme you. Whatever it is, and I agree with you. Like they were right there, yeah. Had a shot at it. And Mackenzie Milton is way more important to UCF than anybody defensively on LSU team. Point blank, period. They just put another five star into that spot at right, LSU. Exactly. They don't have another Mackenzie Milton. And the kid, the kid did an admirable job yeah, yesterday. Yeah, Daryl Mack had a nice game. Fine. But clearly not, not the McKenzie same. Milton. He's not as comfortable in the system. He hasn't right. had as much experience. Right. If anybody would have asked me, what do you think if UCF? And to, to be full disclosure, I had LSU winning that game by seven and a half. I thought LSU would cover sure. the spread because Mackenzie Milton wasn't there. Um, but if you would have asked me with Mackenzie Milton, what do you think the game would unfold like? If you look at this UCF defense, it's similar to Oklahoma's defense. I didn't think they were going to go out there and shut down LSU offensively. Right. I thought they would be able to get into a shooting match, much like they've done against Memphis and all the other games that they've won. And I thought they could have put up 40-plus points against LSU's defense, which I think they would have done with Mackenzie Milton. That was like a four-ball game. And, and, and when I say that, I mean that was four passes that Mac just barely missed on. Yep. That changed the complexion of that game. Yeah, true. But he, there were a few, like he hit a kid, like it could have been a 75 yard touchdown, like right after LSU had scored. It was kind of a drop, but like it was just like the kid was running. It was kind of behind him. It wound up hitting him in the head. Like if you, yeah, quarterback, like yeah. you, you make ca- like catchable balls versus like perfect balls. Yep. And now that's a touchdown versus a potential drop. I just felt like. It was a lot closer, although they got pushed all around the field, and I do agree with SEC fans that they all they're bigger, stronger, oh. all of that. It was right there to be had, and you can't discount the fact. Danny, that Danny, if we're gonna what? play, if what? we're gonna play the what if game, yeah, let's do it. Ogeron elected to kick three field goals from inside the UCF ten yard line. If they just score touchdowns, then we're not even talking about this, but and they it's a blowout. Score touchdowns, but that's what I'm saying. So like, if we're gonna oh, play, but then we're just six. playing the what if game the entire time. Well, I know that's why I'm not playing the what if game. I'm playing what actually happened game. Which yeah, is- and what happened was they elected to kick three field goals instead of instead of burying UCF. <laughs> so stupid. They but that's what if, you, what if UCF gets the onside they kick and scores? They win the game. Like, what are we, they what are we doing? Won. They would have tied the game. It was an eight point game. They were, they were going for two. What if they went for two and got it? Yeah. What if the they game would have been tied? <laughs> and what if they would have won in overtime? Then what? I totally agree with Roger. You can't play the what if game. What I saw transpire was UCF get beat by only eight points yeah. with their backup quarterback. I'm That's what that. I saw transpire. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll and never the go way, undefeated again, and they'll never have another opportunity. So you know what? Congratulations, oh. congratulations, you guys did an, an admirable job. But guess what? You're it's gone. That's it. They just they missed their window. If there was ever a time like a UCF, it's hard. At a power five to keep that rolling. No, That's no, usually just, like just you captured lightning just in a bottle. You know this what is I mean? How we all this feel. dude, this dude, John Battle. <laughs> you know why you resort to trolling UCF? Cause you lose to Bama every single year and you have nobody else left to troll. So why don't yeah. you stick with somebody in your own league or win your own division before you start go out there trolling UCF? I'm with you on that. Congrats UCF for your national championship from last year. Too bad you couldn't get the back to back though. All right. Rose Bowl. You had Ohio State versus Washington and this one similar to the Orange Bowl with uh, Alabama and Oklahoma. Ohio State jumped out to an early lead, and you're thinking, this is ugly. Washington, to their credit, made it entertaining. I thought Chris Peterson, I don't know what he was doing punting late in that game. Right. Uh, they had four minutes left, and he punted away as opposed to going for it. Uh, similar to what happened uh, with Penn State, with um, them kicking a field goal late in that game. I'm sure our boy yeah. Debo was real thrilled with that one against Mississippi State. But Ohio State gets the win. I thought they looked crisp. I thought they looked motivated. Um, you know, you saw the Urban Meyer... Handing the whistle to Ryan Day, I thought it was a little bit corny. <laughs> hey, I mean, college football is a little bit corny <laughs> right. with pageantry and stuff.
But I think the memo that I got was Dwayne Haskins needs to bounce. Correct. He needs to go get paid because I think he'll be a top 10 pick. And there's a chance, depending on who the picks, where they fall, he could be a top three, top four pick. And if I think you could see a team trading up to get him. Yeah. You're the stars are aligned for you, young man. So like when I look at this rundown and it says hasn't decided on NFL yet, like it's, that's as stupid as Coca's last comment was about the what ifs. (laughs) That's just as stupid. There's no question that you should be bouncing. Uh, you're, you're, pro, you're number one quarterback. They're going to be teams that, that need one. And I'm with you, Danny. You could mess around and be a top five at probably worst case scenario because someone's going to take a swing at a quarterback. Yep. Right. I like him. I like his skill set too. I think he's a perfect fit. I would love to see the New York Giants take him, groom him one year, give Eli one more year. Yeah. Let Haskins, and if Eli struggles, let him go next year. Like let him play as a, right. as a rookie. But I think he would be a great fit playing in that market. The, the other eyes and, uh, and ability. The other thing that stuck out from that game was the post game with Urban. Yeah. When they were trying to like pin him down. Who is that? Who is that that was trying to pin Tom him Rinaldi? down? That was Tom Rinaldi. Yeah. Like doing his best to pin him down on like, I just want to be clear because never is like a strong word. Right. You're never going to coach again. And that cat for the life of him was would God? not say, I just like Floyd Mayweather. I'm, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> he's look, man, there are creepy tendencies there. I'm not yeah. like, he's got creepy tendencies. I think tendencies. he coaches again. I do too now. Yeah. Like I go be a professor for the oh, rest of his life. I don't he's like that. Be coaching I'm, again. I'm off then. If, if you do that, I'll reserve judgment to when he does. It, but when right. he does it, I am squarely he's off. Yeah. He's not that old. He's still in his fifties. He's got. See, that thing is, he might step away for a couple years, maybe three years. I don't see him stepping away forever. It's too. It's in your blood. I think hopefully he gets the medical help he needs for the the headache issue. If he gets that, oh, we're gonna play. We're gonna back. play. We're gonna play that game though. Like I'm gonna take every every three years. I'm gonna put myself up against the wall medically, where I got to take a three year hiatus, and then I'm gonna pop back up somewhere well, and coach again for he needs three to years. Out how to get it resolved so it doesn't happen again. All right, welcome back, Canel and Bell. Let's finish off some leftovers. So, we have talked a lot about a certain program in here because yeah. of your ties to it. We've yeah. gotten heated over whether that uh, what they should do with Mark Richt in the yeah. future. I see Luther Campbell from Two Live Crew and every other former What's Miami saying? player. Oh, he's been saying forever, get Mark Richt out of there. Really? Bring in Lane Kiffin. Okay. Yeah, you got former players calling for Mark Richt to be fired. I think a lot of it had to do with my why Mark Richt decided to go ahead and step away and retire. I think he was done with it. He's like, all right. You guys, you know, I've given money. I came back here. I think he was kind of worn out. And I think yeah. it was time. And I also think there was probably some pressure on him to fire his son, who was the quarterback's coach. So, Mark Richt, shocker to the college football world, re- retires, steps away. Then there's this flurry of activity of who's Miami going to hire. Are they going to get Butch Davis at FIU, which I think would have been a great hire. Yep. Mario Cristobal at Oregon. Are they going to, I thought it would have been a great hire. Instead, and I don't think anybody saw this coming, of all the names you Definitely saw floated, this one coming. it was, hold on a second, our defensive coordinator is up at Temple. Maybe he still kept his house here. Mm. Let's go bring him back. So they bring back their defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz, who is going to be the new head coach um, at the Miami, at the University of Miami. Ultimately, I honestly don't think it matters that he's going to be the head coach. I think it's a good hire. Like, I don't think it's the slam dunk, like, wow factor yeah, hire. Yeah. But I think it's a good thing because it keeps continuity. Yep. I think the defense has been pretty good. It hasn't been the issue. He had the turnover chain, which was a national trend that everybody, you know, yeah. loved. Biggest thing in college football the last couple of years. I don't think it, I think the offensive coordinator is going to matter. It doesn't matter who is in all these positions until they find a quarterback. I'm telling you, it's the most important position in the game. I don't think it's Nikosi Perry. I, you cannot succeed if you don't have a quarterback. I'm with you 100. Um, I texted you after the pinstripe bowl that I needed Mark Rick to go. Right. There I were was, a lot of explanation points I, and some curse words. I was I felt bad about doing that because I usually don't but quit on true. a guy like that. But when they quit on him, and that was obvious in the pinstripe bowl. 
there's enough going on within that program that I don't know if you're the guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not to mention, like, you were supposed to be a quarterback, like, guru of sorts. Like, you're an offensive guy, and your offense has been, like, terrible. And the quarterbacks look like they've regressed. Like, real talk. Yep. Don't, like, n- not even stayed the same. Both of those, Malik Rozier and Nikosi Perry, both look like they got worse. Yep. So it was time to go. But I definitely didn't see the Manny Diaz thing happening, coming back from Temple. Him and Mario Cristobal both are Miami guys. Yep. When you talk about like the culture of Miami, like growing up in Miami, I think Manny's Diaz's dad was like the mayor of yeah, Miami he was. for a while. Like they are Miami, and Manny's got the type of swag I think that could be good for for Miami. Right? Defensively, they've been great. Maybe you get some of those recruits to recommit. But I'm with you on the offense. You have to find yourself a really good OC, and it's why I thought Lane Kiffin was a really good. I thought Lane Kiffin would be great. Because he also recruits this area pretty damn good to be at yeah. FAU. Do you know what I mean? It's yep. not like he's behind in that regard. But I thought he would have been a good name because offensively, we've tried the defensive route. Mm-hmm. We've been a good defensive team for a while now. It hasn't translated into ACC championships or you know opportunities at national championships. With the type of speed that you develop down here in South Florida, give me an offensive guy. I mean, real talk. I'm not mad at the Manny thing, but yep. I would have loved to see an offensive guy. In and let's see what he does because I think the coordinator hire will be important. Much like when Willie Taggart hired Kendall Bryars, yeah, I think that's a great hire because now you're going to have an offense out there, right? That is cutting edge schemes. You're going to be able to go fast. You're going to be able to stretch the field. I think that's what Miami needs to find too. But I'm telling you. It's not just scheme. You've got to find a guy who can well, run the scheme. Manny, hold on. I'll send you a quarterback in like oh, five years. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I'll send you <laughs> one, bro. Lighten it up. Winning championships, <laughs> offensive you one, and man. defensive MVP. You've got both sides of the ball covered. You're going to have kids playing at Miami on quarterback and defense. Do you yeah, know I sides. might be that kind of parent where like I go on his recruiting visit. If they ever get a chance oh, to visit Miami, yeah. put me in a uniform. Oh, Let me stand there and represent the U. Like, I mean, save the tape. <laughs> save the tape. He was on there bashing them. <laughs>